0: Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up.
1: Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing, Joe George? Ooh, what up, H-Town? No, well, I said... (laughs) I mean, I'm looking at Joe George to hit my mic button, and he didn't, so I did it myself. No, I have, Save that for the had, record we there. The, we had the wrong mic potted up. Oh,
2: did you? Yeah. <laughs> he's blank on Branham. It's so, great to have Joe George back. Is
1: it? <laughs> great start. I mean, we're not even 30 seconds in, and he's Woo! already being
2: Joe George. I've never heard you put an ooh a, in front of it, though.
3: What's a better start, that or C.J. Stroud?
2: That. Oh, boy. That, I didn't throw a pick. That, if we're being honest, uh, that was better than Stroud. Uh, blank Brandom, Joe George behind the glass. It is a Friday edition of the Killer Bees, a fun show plan. Who said it? A little bit later on, can Joe George atone for some struggles that he's had like for like in the a game? Month. JV makes his return to Houston tonight. That's always fun, and some preseason football yesterday in our town. One one thing that I'm noticing here, Blankers, mm-hmm. look, no one's jumping to conclusions on CJ Stroud, rookie quarterback, played two series in his first preseason game. No one's jumping to any conclusions. No one should be jumping to any conclusions. The the, the book on CJ Stroud, like that was a. Like, that that doesn't even make the book. You know what I mean? His career is in front of him. No one's making excuses. No one's making conclusions about C.J. Stroud after two series in his first ever preseason game. But I'm seeing some headlines out there, Blankers, where we're making too many excuses for C.J. Stroud. We're, we're coming to the defense of C.J. Stroud. There was a one in the paper today. How to judge C.J. Stroud's debut? Wait until next game? What? You don't want us to evaluate 12 snaps of C.J. Stroud? You want us to wait until the next game? You want us to burn the tape? Like, I don't understand that aspect of it at all. We even saw this with the whole Colin Cow- uh, Cowherd thing the other day, Blankers, where Colin Cowherd had a fair take. You might not agree with it. Maybe he was a little bit lazy to say Ohio State quarterback specifically, but Colin Cowherd laid out multiple reasons why CJ Stroud could be the least, success- uh, least successful rookie quarterback. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's a defensive minded head coach, first year OC, a bad roster, comes from a program that, you know, is a country club quarterback lifestyle because they have first round receivers, first round offensive Lyman. That's a fair opinion for Colin Coward. You have local media taking shots at Colin Coward for having a fair opinion because you don't like what he said about C.J. Stroud. I am seeing way too much babying. And look, what he did yesterday does not matter. 12 snaps through four passes. I actually saw some good of what C.J. Stroud did yesterday. But something that I'm already annoyed about is the babying of C.J. Stroud in this city.
1: No, you're right. And it's similar to Orange Kool-Aid drinking Astros fans, when anybody says anything about the Astros, they're going to come out guns blazing, put you in the crosshairs, and then actually stalk you to try and look for any single misstep you have to go after you. What's fair is fair. I think they went over the top, and, and looking at all the national headlines and seeing a lot of the stories that I saw, too, it, it, they just seemed to be a little bit too hypercritical and blew it up a little bit too big. But he didn't play great, but we didn't expect him to play great. We've been kind of setting the table for you all along that this is a kid— that no matter where he was drafted, he's a rookie quarterback in the NFL that's expected to start, but from the very get-go, he is going to have an uphill battle because of the, the the differences between college football and the league and his receivers and all these other things. But you call it like you see it, and you analyze it based on what you saw on the field, not what could happen next game, not what you know what he did in college, not where he played, but what happened last night. And what happened last night, to me, was expected to some degree, though I was hoping for better. But yeah. at the same time, you call it based on what he played. He did not play well. That's the thing
2: is you have look again, like this is twelve snaps, first start, preseason rookie quarterback. In fact, we've been very honest that you should expect CJ Stroud to struggle all year. Not because CJ Stroud stinks or is not going to be a good quarterback, but because it is very difficult for a rookie quarterback to have success in the NFL. Throw in some of the other things that Coward said the other day, which, again, are fair points, and you have local media members taking shots at Callan Coward for having a fair take. Like, it's ridiculous, the babying of C.J. Stroud. He's a professional. He's a grown-up. He was the number two pick in the NFL draft. We're going to call it like we see it on C.J. Stroud, and we're not going to baby C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be fine. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be good. But I'm also not going to heed the advice of the headline in the paper, how to judge C.J. Stroud's debut, wait until next game? You want us to bite our tongue on what we saw from C.J. Stroud? You don't want us to evaluate his performance at all? You know who's not doing that? C.J. Stroud, who talked at the podium yesterday. And he sat there and said, you know, I wanted to play more to correct my wrongdoings. C.J. Stroud admits I had wrongdoings. I didn't play well in that game, yet we're supposed to bite our tongue and shut up on what we saw about C.J. Stroud? That's ridiculous. D'Amico Ryans isn't going to bite his tongue and burn the tape. In fact, D'Amico Ryans talking game was like, that interception's good for C.J. Stroud's career. Why? Because he can learn from it. He can read a defense a little bit better because it was a terrible read on that play throwing an easy interception. Uh, to Jalen Mills. So, like, if if D'Amico Ryans is going to evaluate that, if C.J. Stroud's going to evaluate that, if Bobby Slowick's going to evaluate that, if Gerard Johnson's going to evaluate that, how are you going to tell us to shut up and not talk about C.J. Stroud's performance in Game 1?
1: Because you're hyper-defensive. Because you're, 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 you're married and you're trying to protect your wife against the neighbors when... You know in real in realistic terms, your wife might have screwed up a little bit. You, she made some mistakes. She didn't do what she was supposed to do. But because you're married to her and you're absolutely hyper-attracted to her, you're going to bat for her even if you don't know the whole story or you just are trying to refuse to believe what re- actually happened. The, the fan base is the same way. They're so connected now. They're so infatuated with C.J. Stroud. He can do no wrong. And if you say he can, then they're coming at you 100 miles an hour. But this goes to a conversation you and I were having yesterday, which also, as much as he made mistakes and he didn't play well, the other thing that was deeply concerning to me was who was protecting him yes. during yes. the course of that game? Mm. Because I saw him running for his life. And I know that people are saying, well, you know what? He hung onto the ball a little too long a couple of times. But if you look at the whole body of work for him, he was, he was freaking the hell out a lot of times because he knew the minute he got the snap that guys were going to be breathing down his neck trying to rip his head off. And this is the concern that I had. If you're not going to play Tunsil and, and you're, you know, you obviously aren't going to play Titus Howard and he's going to go with, out there with a less than offensive line, how can you grade him fairly when he's running for his life?
2: I wanted him to play 30 snaps. I was very adamant about that. I understand I was in the minority with that, but I also wanted him to play with his entire offensive line, Sands, Titus Howard, who has metal hardware in his hand. What was he doing at practice? That, right. That he has metal hardware in his hand. That sounds very painful. Um, but he was without 60% of his offensive line yesterday. I completely agree. Like I wanted him to play 30 snaps going into that game. When Laramie Tunsil wasn't going to play, when Shaq Mason was going to get the day off, and when Titus Howard is hurt, and you were playing Deculus at right tackle, the, re- the That's guy at right guard, and then you were, you know, the left side of your line, you, the center, you had Drew Scruggs, left guard, you had Kenny Green, You didn't play great. And then you had Fant, who was actually playing left tackle, which I don't love seeing him at left mm-hmm. tackle because he very well might be your week one starter at right tackle. Right. Like, that, that was kind of bizarre to me. Um, I, I, I don't want C.J. Stroud playing behind that offensive line either. I think it is important. I still think it's important. D'Amico Ryans was talking about it after the game. He's like, those snaps that he had yesterday, and he played 11 or 12 snaps, he said those snaps are valuable because he needs to learn from mistakes. He needs to learn how to play. Well, you know how else you do that? By giving him 30. By giving him 40 snaps. So I hate the fact that he only played 11 to 12 snaps. I want him to play more but you're 100% right. If, it, if he's going to miss 60% of his offensive line and have to be depending on Dieter and Deculus and Fant, I really don't want him playing at all. Right. So I, I don't like what they didn't with the offensive line. I want the starters to play. I want the starters to play more for a young team, for a rookie quarterback, for a first-year OC, for a first-year head coach, and I hope that's something that we see differently next week against Miami. Game one, whatever. Like I'm not going to sit here and die on that hill. I prefer more snaps with the entire ones, not with that band-aid offensive line they put together, and I hope we continue to see that going forward. Um also the fact the way they handled CJ Stroud and just the quarterbacks in general, CJ Stroud played two series. Davis Mills played the remainder of the first half, and then Case Keenum played the entire second half. Brooks Cabinia in the paper today is trying to say that there's a quarterback battle. Are you kidding me? Where? You're not gonna start a rookie pre you're not gonna start a Doing rookie quarterback three, in game one in the preseason. You're not gonna do that and then not start on week one of the NFL season. And then also the way that they managed. If you have Stroud playing two snaps, and then Mills is getting every other snap in the first half after that, it's very, very clear who the QB1 is on this team, and it should be. Even if C.J. Stroud's not the the quarterback that gives you the best chance to win right now, because it's probably not, he needs to be the quarterback in QB1 for the Houston Texans week one of the NFL season. There's no controversy
1: with the number one quarterback. Now, if you want to say that there's a discussion to be had about something you and I've talked about in the past, about Case Keenum versus Davis Mills, we can have that discussion. I think... More so, it's a discussion you and I had a few months ago where maybe there, you know, it's time to look at can you, can you move Davis Mills? Is there a team that might be interested in Davis Mills? Is there a way to repurpose him or just get him to somewhere where he has a different opportunity and you can just move on knowing that C.J. Stroud's your starter and you've got a capable backup in Case Keenum? I don't know. But what I do know is that when you're looking at a situation like that and everybody's trying to hyperanalyze, I want to go back and just remind everybody, the same way that the defenders of C.J. Stroud are going to say, well, that's just week one in the in the preseason, and it's garbage football. Okay, well, then it's garbage football. But then across the board, realize if it's garbage football and you're, how you're analyzing that. You you can't analyze C.J. Stroud one way and say he was supposed to be on. He was supposed to make better plays. He was supposed to do all these things. But then you're going to give everybody else a pass because it's week one and it's garbage football. But if it's garbage football, then why are we worried about a quarterback battle after week one?
2: We're not. We're not. It's not a quarterback battle. Like People people that are trying to spin that to you are looking for but can't you clicks, see, impressions. You read their article. But you can see a, a scenario where Case Keenum
1: is your sec, your backup quarterback. Not You're really.
2: Like, Unless Davis Mills is traded, no way. That's what I'm saying. But that's He'd what, have to that's be traded. I, getting
1: I think that they they would look and explore, and there might be a team that's interested, even if he's the backup for their team, too. It's a fresh start with maybe not as established a quarterback coming in that's already basically anointed the the, the franchise quarterback mm-hmm. to where he'd have a fighting chance to do something with another team. But I could see a scenario where he's traded.
2: They're not going to just give him away, though. Like no. They're, they're going to need a decent draft pick in order to trade him, probably like a third or a fourth, maybe a third. Like They're not just going to give Davis Mills away. No, but it's I gonna... don't think
1: they're going to get a third.
2: I, I think they keep them then. Like, I, I don't think that they would trade them for a fourth because backup quarterback is important in the NFL. And I understand that you have Case, but you also have Davis Mills under contract for this year and next year at the rookie scale. So, like, mm. I don't, I, don't, I don't. really don't think it's likely. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line. Your first impressions on C.J. Stroud, 713-780-3776. I'm sick of this. I'm already sick of this. I'm already sick of the babying of C.J. Stroud we're seeing from media members. Like, fans, whatever. Like, he's your guy. You're going to support him. Fine. But, like, media babying C.J. Stroud, a professional that was the number two pick of the draft, it makes me sick. 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv, slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. First impressions of CJ. There were a lot of good things from that game yesterday. In fact, I thought there were more good things than bad things from that game yesterday. What were the good things that stood out to you? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.
0: Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts Live. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy.
2: Poncho on the Twitch. Uh, Simple Stroud should grab wood until he makes his bones, bypassing the line for no reason. We're not going to call CJ Stroud Simple Stroud on the show. Do not say that on the Twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. 713-780-3776. Battery Chuck, too, on the Twitch, he said that he didn't think that CJ Stroud interception was a bad read. C.J. Stroud said after the game he didn't see the safety. You're a quarterback. You drop back looking to throw. Where are you looking at? You're looking at the middle of the field. You're looking to see what the safety's doing. To see your you to Mike, cover two back. linebacker one. pre-snap and You're the first the look the once the ball's in your hands middle is where field. are the safeties? Middle of the field. Middle of the field. So C.J. Stroud said he didn't see the safety who was hanging out in the middle of the field. It's a bad read. It's a bad read for C.J. Stroud.
3: That's where Big Ten versus NFL is the difference maker. Yeah. At Ohio State... You can stare down Marvin Harrison Jr., whoever it is. It doesn't even matter how good the receivers. You can stare them down. The safety from Northwestern, who runs a 4 9 <laughs> isn't going to pick that off.
2: Yeah, and look – I thought C.J. Stroud made some good reads in that game yesterday, too. Mm-hmm. Like the little, like the, um, I can't remember the exact down and distance, et cetera, et cetera. He only played two series. I tweeted about it earlier at Jeremy Branham. I went back and watched every single snap that C.J. Stroud took, all the starters took, uh, first and uh, the offense and the defense. There was one where there was a rusher coming off the right side of the off- the, the offensive line, and he read it pre snap. He's like, there's probably going to be a blitzer there. You could see that he was looking over the defense. He saw it. And then the, the blitzer did come. The blitz came, and he came in untouched. It was about to pop C.J. Stroud. And he saw it the whole way threw it to the hot route, which was Singletary. Singletary missed time to jump. Wasn't a perfect throw. Wasn't a bad throw. Dropped it, incomplete pass. He gets it to it earlier to Singletary. Maybe he makes a man miss. Maybe it's a 10-yard gain. There were some C.J. Stroud moments where he looked pretty good. Like, I thought that was a good read. The interception was not. There was also the play wherever... Um, Fan got beat. Uh, Just got beat. It wasn't even a blitz. Fan just got beat. And there might have been some zone elements where he kind of spun away from Fan. Then Kenyon Green didn't pick him up. That's very possible. And then Singletary just, like, was gone. So there was no pass protection. And Stroud spins out of it and gains five yards. So there you go. CJ Stroud turns a negative play into a five-yard positive play, which is very, very nice. I thought the sack that he took was not it wasn't his fault because Deculus got absolutely abused and then Devin Singletary was not there for pass he was there, but he whiffed on the pass protection and Stroud instead of probably throwing it away there ran backwards and got sacked for a fifteen yard loss. Like that's not on CJ Stroud, but that's a spot where he's gonna have to learn to throw the ball away. So there were some good moments for Stroud's eleven, twelve snaps. The interceptions always uh, is obviously gonna be like the highlight or the low light of Stroud's start.
1: What I saw that was a little worrisome. Was a little bit of young Deshaun. Just he's running for his life, so I'm not going to criticize him for it. Mm-hmm. But I did see a couple of times, like you said, when he took the loss. When those he was, were probably the
2: two players yeah, where he, he, did was, that. he
1: was he was he was extending. I, but again, he's already on every snap, basically already on red alert that he is probably going to feel pressure almost immediately. But there were a few where you look at it and you go, you know what? That's one where you're going to learn to either unload it and or just get out and eat it mm-hmm. instead of taking a, a, you know, a, a fairly substantial loss.
2: Live to fight another day.
1: Right. But overall, when you watch him play, and again, factor in what we're talking about, this is his first opportunity ever to face NFL competition, not Ohio State competition. Yeah. And so if you expected him to just be lights out and tear up whatever defense he was going to see, that's on you because he's got a ton to learn. And the fact is... To your point yesterday, you want him to get every bit of experience he can get and every rep and every snap he can get. However, if you know he's going to have a chance on every play before he even has a chance to make the right play to get crushed, you can't fault the kid for being hypersensitive to trying to bail out, move around, and
2: get away. I want to see him behind the starting offensive line. For because sure. that, that offensive line did him no favors yesterday. Now, Stroud, you know, again, that interception was a very poor read. Yes. I thought his first pass, which he actually completed, I thought it was slow to get out, it wasn't necessarily precise. And 6'167 text again says note that Mills and Keenum had no problems behind that offensive line. A little bit different offensive line in the second half, a little bit different a different defense that he That's was going up against. But he's right. Like Davis Mills came in with that same offensive line, the same weapons, and Davis Mills looked like he was orchestrating the offense way better than CJ Stroud. There's no doubt, there's no argument that Davis Mills looked better than Stroud. There's no argument there's, that Case Keenum looked better than Stroud. But there's factors, too. Just like you're saying
1: that those guys looked better than he did, one, those guys have a boatload more experience in the NFL than yep. he does. And secondly, the same way that you know we're talking about starters either not playing or sitting down, at a certain point, the Patriots took a lot of their primary guys off the field, too, and were, you were facing their twos and threes. So, it's a little different rush and a little different situation there, too. So, again, we can sit there and hyper analyze this and break it. It's the first preseason game with a kid that's never played a real snap of NFL football, trying to act, and everybody's expecting that he needs to come out of the gates looking like he's the second coming of the greatest quarterback in NFL history or a guy that's got it all under control. He doesn't.
2: We were trying to temper expectations yep. that, that it's it's going to be a slow process for any – it's not even Stroud. This is all rookie quarterbacks. Rookie quarterbacks are going to be slow to the league. A bunch of textures texting in on the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776, speed of the game. Welcome to the NFL moment, and you, that was on display. Like, because the rushers were getting onto him in a hurry. We know that the like the pro football focus st- stats on CJ Stratton, at Ohio State where he wasn't good against pressure. He's gonna he's gonna be pressured almost every single snap in the NFL. So he's gonna have to learn to adjust to that speed, to the the speed of the game, to the NFL talent. To, to his, his receivers aren't gonna be super wide open every single play. And going back and watching some of it, it's a little different because the TV. The TV broadcast is a lot different than like the All 22, and I I didn't see the All 22. I just I just rewatched the TV broadcast. It's tough to tell where the receivers are, like how much separation that they have. But in the times that I did see it, Stroud didn't have tons of options to throw the football through. There wasn't wasn't receivers that were getting acres of space or yards of separation. So you're right. There's a lot of things that go into this. I would say that the entire offense, not only C.J. Stroud, but the entire offense for the first two series didn't look good. It was choppy. It was not precise. It looked very ugly. But once Davis Mills came into the game... Starting to look pretty good. Starting to click on a little bit of cylinders. And then, you're right, second half much different than the first half. But, K, same thing. Like, they looked like a maestro for the offense, whereas C.J. Stroud was choppy. We oftentimes hear the word from the Texans talking about precision offensively, and there wasn't any of that. No, and and, and looking at that, too, Jeremy, you brought it up early in this discussion when camp started,
1: and you were spot on. The fact is, is the defense is way ahead of the offense. Defense looked good. Defense looked very good, very athletic, active. You know they were they were getting pressure. They were caused, they were wreaking havoc in the backfield, whether they got to the quarterback or not, and and they looked like a, a really well-oiled machine as a unit. If, if you're comparing it to the offense, but I think that because of the fact that you're talking about a guy in D'Amico that is a defensive-minded coach, and working with the defense and getting in his comfort zone and having players that he can really work with now. I I think that was to be expected because there are so many idiosyncrasies and so many little details on and off, especially a Shanahan-type offense with a new OC. But I think that overall, this is why I was stressing, if you truly want to grade C.J. Stroud or you want to see what C.J. Stroud is, and we're not going to be privy to a lot of this, This is why I want to see him at practice with the ones in front of him as an offensive line going in those joint practices and things against number one defenses. Sure, you're you're right. He's not going to take the hits, but at least from the speed perspective, the timing with the receiver's perspective, and being able to kind of know that I've got an adequate to better than average offensive line to protect me so I can do what I need to do. That's a better way to judge a quarterback like C.J. Stroud in his first year than it is to go freaking lose your mind and say that it was hot garbage and he's going to be hot garbage because in week one and two series, he didn't do
2: well. In a vacuum, it was hot garbage though. And I think it's fair to say in a vacuum, it's hot garbage uh, because he played like but, hot garbage. But yesterday. you would not expect that in week one of the regular no, season. No, no absolutely. I, I expected him to not play well. I expected Davis Mills to look better with the offense. I expected Case Keenum to look better with the offense. Not because those guys are more talented, not because C.J. Stroud's going to be a bust, but because C.J. Stroud is a rookie playing in his first-ever game in the NFL, and he's doing it without 60% of his offensive line. The the biggest takeaway that I have, though, is, yeah, the the other two quarterbacks look better than Stroud, but the big takeaway that I have is stop defending C.J. Stroud. He's going to be... Like, he's not immune from criticism just because he is the new franchise quarterback, just because he's the second pick of the NFL draft. You can't tell me to evaluate him on his next start and not this one. That's pretentious. Yes, I'm going to evaluate him based on what I saw on the 11 snaps that I saw. You know why? Because he is setting a bar that now he has to grow from. Like, this is the baseline testing That's good for start. C.J. Stroud. Can't, you, rock Bottom can't get lower. Ba- low bar. Yeah, it is a very low you know, bar.
3: It's funny though, watching the game last night. I- The one thing I took away from watching Davis Mills was I'm so glad he's not the starting quarterback. Like the, the very first play, like that that play action where he turns around quicks and throws it, but it's in the dirt. Yeah, that's Davis Mills. Was
2: that the one that was no? It was the one that was incomplete. They called yeah. it complete originally, then they, they and then they overturned it. it. And then
3: there was the there was a play, you know, Tank Dells running down the right side of the field. He's wide open on the sidelines, and Davis Mills overthrows him by five yards. Yeah, and I was like, this is why I just don't need that in my life.
2: But he looked, but he was the be- he looked better than the other guy for sure.
3: But I also you know my expectations going into last night was that they were going to you know Davis mm-hmm. Mills. It's going to look better than C.J. Stroud in a preseason game. C.J. Stroud is going to learn more this coming week versus Vic Fangio and the Dolphins in these joint practices than he has learned all season, all preseason, because Vic Fangio is going to do things against him that he's never seen before, and they're going to be able to look at tape and develop and
1: figure it out. And honestly, you want that to happen, and if I'm the Texans coaching staff, I'm telling them do that. Oh, yeah. I want to see him, I want him to go through it, then I want him to learn from it, and I want him to know that that's something that he can expect all the time in this league, as opposed to whatever he saw at Ohio State. And that's why I'm I'm okay with it. But you're right. You can evaluate him for what you saw. But it's silly to think that just because you saw it in week one, that it's not going to get better. Like, he's not going to improve. Like, this is a, a boomer bust situation, and now he's busted because of the way he played in week one. Absolutely, I expected it, too. I mean... Just the same reason why I am in the minority, I think, and especially with Texas fans. But I expect him to struggle this whole season because of the learning curve and because Davis Mills looked better because Davis
2: Mills went through that curve for a full season last year. I think that it's going to be the whole season's a learning curve. Whenever he threw the interception yesterday, I tweeted something that we've been talking about for since they drafted C.J. Stroud. This year's about development. This year's about progress. It's why the whole black cloud of this whole season is that oh silly pick because you should know with a rookie quarterback it's going to be difficult to win football games. 713-780-ESPN. Of course, you're going to talk about the quarterback. Of course, whenever he's a rookie. Of course, whenever he was the number two pick of the NFL draft. But how about that D'Amico Ryan's defense? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. 3776 Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN
0: 92.5. Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Did
2: you see Bill O'Brien's ugly mug on the sideline? I
1: did. In New England yesterday? You know what's was funny? Was I, I was noticing while having to stomach that entire game, the fact that they really didn't show Belichick at all. And then all of a sudden, it was him, it was Bill O'Brien, it was him, it was Bill O'Brien. I was like, wow, I was looking around. And wondering, and I don't know how they were deploying cameras, and if you know who, if the the truck had full complement of their their cameras. I did. I just didn't notice any shots of Belichick on the sideline
2: till the second half. I watched the um, last night. I watched the ABC broadcast with Coogler. Uh, yeah, and uh, Kugler, Indy, and Andy, yep. Indy's solid. I miss Spencer though. I miss Spence on the broadcast, so we can listen to the hyperbolic takes that he would have during the three hours of preseason football, where everybody was the best, upcoming. Nick whatever, is whatever. the greatest whatever. general manager yep. of all time. Yep. I miss, I miss those hyperbolic takes from uh, the voice of ESPN 97.5. I, I have to say, I missed him on the broadcast yesterday. But today, I watched the um, the Boston broadcast with Zolak, oh. and I don't know the play by play guy, but they showed him a lot. So God, Zolak's not a homer, is he? Hey, he's Woo! a bit of a homer. Baby, is a, I mean, a homer. It's preseason football. They're all
1: kind of homers. But he's Tommy Heinsohn of, of Patriots. football He
2: does radio up there, though, doesn't he? He does.
1: He does the radio talk show every day. Yeah.
2: So that's interesting. Anyways, the uh, yeah Bill O'Brien. It's uh, I thought it was interesting. He was on the sideline, though. Like remember whenever he was a fan of in plays, he was up in the Rest booth. Box, yep. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. He was on the sideline. Not that it matters. Uh, As far as we're concerned, but it was it was just an observation of mine that I thought was funny. Um, The Texans defense. Now, this is something to get excited about C.J. Stroud indifferent. Certainly, you're not jumping to any sort of conclusions about C.J. Stroud after 11 snaps of football. If you are, then you're silly. But don't tell me to not not evaluate how he played. You can't tell me how to think Uh, the defense, though. Look, I've been pretty bullish about this defense even before yesterday's game, just watching them out of camp. Now, you have to be kind of like, well, is the offense just way behind? Like when a defense is dominating an offense early in training camp, your offense could just be terrible. But once you start going up against other teams, it's like, okay, well, this starts to validate some of my opinions. I val- yesterday's game validated that opinion. I don't really care that the you know they gave up X amount of points. I don't really care what happened after they took out the ones. Yeah, it's fun to see like Henry To'o, To'o run around and make some plays. Hynes was all
1: over the place. Hynes
2: was all over the place. But I I the most thing that I'm interested about is the ones, the starters. I'll watch it all, of course. But I am the only thing that I'm really having hot takes about from a team perspective are when the ones are on the field. Now, some players when To'o, To'o goes off, I'm like, dang, Toa really looks like he could be a really good uh, development Mike linebacker, which he's going to be for this team. But on that opening series after the interception for the Patriots, D'Amico Ryans ran like a decoy blitz. That is, that this is what's encouraging me about D'Amico Ryan's and this defense the play calling and the scheme stuff. He sent a five man rush, but he showed Perryman up on the line pre snap like he was going to blitz. But Perryman's first step was back into coverage, which confuses quarterbacks. It's like, oh, there's the blitzer. Oh, he's in coverage. And then what did Perryman do? He rushed. Yeah. He rushed into the, right up the middle of the defense. He was unblocked. And because you had speed on the outside, Will Anderson, John Gernard, they forced uh, Zappi into the pocket. And then there's Perryman, who was untouched, just Waiting for him. This is stuff that we didn't see from antiquated Lovey Smith. Right. Lovey Smith was still the DC when David Culley was here. He was running the defense. But this is what makes me bullish and excited about the Houston Texans in 2023. Is that they have talent defensively and they have a play caller that's doing modern day stuff in the NFL. Yeah, he can wreak havoc just
1: with a lot of things he's calling. And as he continues to add players to this defense, it's only going to get better. The thing to me that uh, what stood out, one, Perriman's very, very athletic, and, and, and he seems like he was a really good ad for this team, a- and, and I think he's going to be a huge compliment to all the youth that you put on that defense, but we saw the, res- the, the resurrection of Johnny G. I mean, Jonathan Grenard, all of a sudden, because, looks like he can be a football player again. And that's very encouraging, because we've talked about the fact you need him. Jerry Hughes is not a guy you're going to start and count on for the majority of the snaps to be opposite uh, of Will Anderson. So the fact that you can get a Jonathan Grenard and put him back there and say, can we just go back in a time machine and go back to two years ago when you looked like you could be an up-and-coming dominant pass rusher and say, in this defense, the way D'Amico can use
2: you, it looks like he could excel and be a very good piece to this puzzle. Uh, John Grenard was one of my biggest positives from that game yesterday is because he looked like John Grenard from, you know, Two off seasons ago, going into last year, or going, 12 months ago, 12 months ago.
1: You know, I kept going, well, what happened last year? But then maybe you're right, because instead of searching for what happened last year, maybe just be grateful that maybe it is D'Amico's system. But for whatever the reason, if he can just forget about last year and just go back to being a really hyper-athletic like disruptor, on the other side of the kid that you've spent a high draft you're in a
2: better position. And I think it's like we're not setting the bar way up there either. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't need John Gernard to be what we expect Will Anderson to be. But if he can be a tier below or two tiers below what Will Anderson's going to be, that that puts together a pretty stout defensive uh, edge room. Is it
1: unfair to expect 10 sacks from him like we did two years ago? Or is it to say, hey, look, if he can just give you 7 to 10,
2: but he can be in the backfield, you know, he can be – you know, athletic. I think ten I think double digit sacks would be. I think it's fair. Like if I'm okay. going to be excited about John Grenard after this season, he's probably going to have to give me ten sacks because he was right there two years ago. He had eight mm-hmm. sacks in twelve games. Now last year he was hurt. Last year he was hurt. So a lot of the reasons that like his star has diminished a bit in terms of like the eyes of Houston Texans fans is because. He went on the field a lot last year. We had high expectations for Gernard last season. We expected him to be a double-digit sack guy coming off of eight sacks in 12 games uh, two years ago, but he was hurt. He wasn't on the field. So, like, I, I, maybe maybe we were too critical of John Gernard based on an injury-riddled season. Now, he it's, needs to stay on the field and he needs to produce. It's also going to be the
3: easiest it's ever been for him in the NFL because be, this, Will Anderson on the other side is going to be the best player he's ever had on their side. The entire defensive line. And Will Anderson, just I couldn't get my eyes off of him last night. Like every every single play, you know, watching the way he got off the ball and got to the quarterback, it just you can tell it operates at a different speed for him than everyone else. But then you would see Grenard; he would he was playing great too. Like that, that to me was like the number one thing from last night's game was these two guys should be pushing twenty sacks total. Like somewhere between like 17 to 20. I think
1: think that's the biggest thing that that Jeremy touched on was the fact that we go from the antiquated, old, just way, way out, out of date defensive play calling of Lovey to a guy that can be the Shanahan on defense, just running things differently, being more creative, mixing things up, and then accentuating the best skill sets of all your young players. He benefited. I mean, you look at some of that. We were talking about depth too. The other thing I was thinking about was we look at the two guys that we've been talking about with Anderson and Grenard. But then when you talk about the fact you can still use situationally Jerry Hughes, and he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to be at the, on the field as long. But when he's on the field, if you use him the right way, he can still be somewhat impactful. But then bringing back a guy like Martin, and Martin looked like a guy that, again, because it's a more athletic scheme for guys, he moves them around a little bit, and he can still do what he does best. I think he's going to be a really good complementary piece
2: behind those guys. I think Martin's good in your gadget, pass rushing Mm -hmm. situations, third and longs, especially in a wide nine because he's fast. like He's super fast. Like Pointing to that one specific play where Anderson and Grenard were able to you know, beat the tackles to the edge, and they force Zappi to step into the pocket, and then there you go, Perryman just waiting to, to bring him down. That's where Martin's going to be effective as a gadget player. They're going to bring him in clear pass-throwing situations, third and seven, third and long. They're going to put him in that wide nine. They're going to say, get up the field and beat the tackle and force the quarterback into the pocket. Uh, so I, I agree that, that he'll be a factor in, in that way. We've gotten all this way without talking about Dell. Go kooks. Tank Dell, from That's an awesome. offensive standpoint, was by far the biggest bright spot in that game. Mm-hmm. Like I, One, when the depth chart came out, I was surprised to see him ahead of John Mechie. After watching that game yesterday, John Mechie's not in the same class as well, Tank Dell right Mechie now. John catch,
1: one catch, and, it was, and they were trying to celebrate it, and I get it sure. because of the story and because of where they drafted him. But overall, this was Tank Dell's show. I mean, and, and it was a coming out party. It was... For everybody that talked about his size and everybody that talked about what he had to learn, Tank Dell looks like he can play in this league right now. And he even ran back; was it a punt? He ran back the punt, and, mm-hmm. I, and and he was smart. But he gained about 13 yards, and he knows how to, you know, somewhat shield himself. He's not; he looks like he know, he's aware to, to to avoid that big hit and how to kind of do it. Tank
2: Dell was impressive last night. We're really good. I mean, you can look at the numbers, five catches, 65 yards, and a tud. But, look, and I think it's important in preseason football never to get as high as the highs and as low as the lows. Tang Dell at the high yesterday. Let's temper expectations. C.J. Stroud a low. Let's not go to extremes with the C.J. Stroud and his rookie year. But Tang Dell, like you said, he looks like he belongs. He looks like an NFL football player. He was creating tons of separation. Look, were those the Patriots backup? Sure. But Tang Dell's a rookie. Tang Dell's a rookie. Uh, was getting tons of separation. He's like the fastest dude on the field. And like that was the thing with the combine with Tank Dell. People look at the 40 time, and I think it ran like a 4.6. Not like a blazing 40 speed, but I was telling everybody, Tank Dell might not be the fastest guy from point A to point B, but you want a guy to get from point A to B to C and do it from a sidewinding like side fashion, Tank Dell's the dude. Tank Dell's not fast, but he's incredibly quick, and Tank Dell did everything yesterday, which we saw him do in college, and me being a Houston Cougar homer, that was awesome to see. I think he's going to be he's a weapon fast. in his rookie year. He's
1: very football he's fast, right? I mean, they used to say Jason Kid's not, not going to beat you in a 40-yard dash, but Jason Kidd with a ball in his hands is faster than anybody on the planet from end line to end line because he just has that, that kind of sport quickness. And when you watch Tank Dell, you realize – Yeah, it's not about running a straight line with a stopwatch. It's about getting away from defenders. It's about getting open and then getting out in open space. I was surprised, and pleasantly so, that this kid looks like he's more NFL-ready than anybody that might have projected or looked at a depth chart could be. He was far and away as more impressive than anybody on the field offensively last night, and it was a pleasant surprise to me.
2: Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What what did you come away impressed with from the Texans yesterday? Uh, What was not so encouraging? And and Joe's got a hot running back take, I hear. We'll see what that's all about. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven, ESPN ninety seven five, and ESPN ninety two
0: five. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.
2: Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN at 92.5. Impress- impressions from the Texans' first preseason game yesterday. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Vera, you're in the high with the Killer Bees. What's up, Vera? Hey, guys. I appreciate you letting me call in.
4: Um, I'm not going to talk about CJ's Stroud because I'm sure that's going to get sort of dissected over the next week and a half. couple of things that I wanted to mention that I found interesting. So one is uh, when Tank Dell was running, initially uh, Davis was sort of making low throws. Tank Dell had enough maturity, uh, enough common sense to say, hey, throw it up and I can, I can get more yards after the catch, which is sort of interesting to see for a For a rookie wide receiver to do that, you know, to convey to his quarterback, like, look, I'll know how to protect myself, but just throw it where I can catch it and run after. The other thing was tackling from all the three levels, even the backup guys. I mean, I know it's preseason, first game, so we'll take that with a grain of salt. But whether it was the big names like the Grenards, the the Perrymans, or even the the back-end guys like the Grayland, Arnolds, and all of those guys. The tackling was an, was at an exceptional level for first 3 three-season game, and Henry To'o To'o he looks like he might be real deal. Now he's still a little underway to be you know to be a full fledged middle linebacker, but looks like he's got a lot of football common sense and a lot of football instincts, um, something that you can't always teach. Um, he's good, and I think so. That's something to be to see his
2: Lost you there a little bit, Vera. Appreciate the call. Um... First thing with the Tank Vera Vera's giving flowers to Tank for telling Davis Mills to get the football up a little bit, which, look, I, I get. I, I think they could also go the other way, though, where you have a rookie telling a third-year quarterback, hey, get the ball up. It, it can kind of be a little showy. And tank actually talked about it after the game Aaron Wilson actually w- was in the yes. in the locker room and he asked him about it and tank's like oh that was just football talk between football teammates so I think tank realized that hey I, I'm not going to be showing up my quarterback not to say that he necessarily was there but he didn't take it to the post game he's not like oh yeah he, he was think, very co- he was very complimentary of Davis Mills he said Davis is giving me good footballs tank tank knows what's up and tank knows that, that probably could have come off a little bit as like showing Davis Mills up and he put an into it right away I think it might have been a coach too that might have put it his ear too and maybe like tank tank has always been pretty like classy though and you know him I don't but I'm just saying in a
1: lot of locker rooms too a coach when you're teaching and working with a young player sometimes it's x's and o's and it's routes or playbook stuff and sometimes it's just hey we don't do that I mean we look at how many times that Davis Mills did that to Brandon Cooks of all people a year ago and Brandon Cooks for the most part even for Brandon Cooks was was way more subdued about it than he than he a lot of people would have expected him to. But when a rookie does that, it's a different story. And I think even if you're just a veteran somewhere else on the, on the roster, that that's one where you're going to go. Okay, let's take that one down. Yeah,
2: notch. very very well could have, very well could have. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if Tank was also like, okay, I, I didn't mean it that way. I was just, you know, football talk between teammates, which is what he said in the post game. Like he's not, he's never been somebody who shows people up. Uh, but Vera also talking about like just the fundamentals, which is something you haven't always seen. Six seven six one says the same thing. I just like to say that last night the Texans looked like an organized football team and not a clueless clown show. That's about as a good time. a way could to not, sum this, up.
1: I mean, I could not agree
2: more. Yeah, it's a great could, way to sum up preseason game number one.
1: It's one thing to say the defense looked like it was really organized. The whole team, including the coaching staff, looked like they were where they needed to be, when they needed to be there. They were going through everything. I even watched because we you know, we talked about the lack of gum so that David Cully used to chew through his tongue and Lovey looked like he had zero emotion, but you had as many times as he could that D'Amico, the minute he was done with the actual head coaching duties, he had the kid giving him the, the, the iPad, and he was going through his defenses, and he was to going back, you know, on the bench to talk to some of his defensive players. He was he was multitasking. He was in charge of everything, and but it showed on the field that that was an organized coaching staff. The way they played, the discipline they showed. And how night and day it was from the last two years.
2: Exactly. Yeah, that wasn't. That was very refreshing. Very refreshing. Like it's an actual NFL team again. Like that. That is refreshing.
3: It was just refreshing seeing like D'Amico on the sidelines and not David Cully David Cully
2: biting his tongue. Remember like, that? <laughs> his headset was like this. It was like at a forty-five degree angle. Looked like he, yeah, someone just kind of slapped him going yeah. off the sidelines. We've yeah. Worked.
1: Oh my god. We used to wreck, but, but it's true. Like. He looked like a real NFL coach, and that looked like a real NFL football team. When in the past, you could go from peewee football to like, (laughs) you know, division, lower division college football going. Some of those teams
2: might be more organized than what the Texans look like the last two years. Todd, the show, Giants football fans, it's refreshing until they play Baltimore. Look, you're still organized. You still you still give a shot. Like I mean, we'll we'll see what it's like in the in the regular season. You're right. Preseason's not going to carry nearly as much weight as the regular yes. season, but it looks like a real NFL team. Here's for a the change. thing, Todd. For the change. one
1: thing that you want to look at is we're looking for positives. We're looking for the opportunity to be able to say we're excited about this football team again. We know all the negatives of the past. We know how bad they've been. We're looking for things that we can actually hang our hat on positively and go, that's an improvement. We are looking for it from a quarterback. We're looking at it when we see guys play well. Well, why can't we do the same thing with a coaching staff that coaches well and a team looks organized for a change because it is so damn refreshing. Todd
2: the Show should know what it's like from going from a clown show to a real head coach because he lived through the Giants. And Todd the Show gets one decent season from his New York football Giants, and he thinks that he is God's gift to the NFL. He thinks he knows ball. He thinks he's a football savant. Because he's had one winning season since 2016. You should know, Todd, the show, what it's like to go from Joe Judge... To a real ball coach, you should know better than anybody, Todd. The show uh, that Jalen Petrie play was something that, that was a topic of conversation yesterday. Look, I'm not gonna. I don't think it's really like this, like hot take. Like it was a bad play, I thought by Petrie. I thought Petrie should just went for the football, quite honestly, or go for the hit. I, I don't think Petrie makes that mistake again, though. I think it was just it, more so than
1: anything else because he was there. It was just a bad read. I mean, he elected to try and go for an interception instead of making the hit and trying to jar the ball loose or playing the football. And, and I think that's something that I don't have any concerns about going forward with Petrie making the right play you know, and progressing. That's just, everybody is human. They make mistakes. I think that was just a flat-out mistake. Yeah, but he,
2: he, thought the, he thought the ball was going to go over the receiver. He did. He thought he, the ball was going to go over he the was, receiver. He was, he was going to go for the pick. Yeah, he was kind of like, you know, guiding it like he was going to guide it into his hands over the shoulder. Even if you're, even if you think that, though, go attack the ball. Go get the ball. Don't let it come to you. Like, if you're a safety, go attack the
1: football. Especially with other teammates around you. If you go attack the ball, the ball could pop up in the air, and you've got more guys around the ball than the offense yeah. does. You can make a play to get the interception, but just make sure they don't make a Completion. Yeah,
2: exactly. Or it's just a pass breakup. You know what I mean? Like, attack the ball. I have no problem, like, going for the ball versus the hit. But don't sit back and wait for it. You have to go attack the football. But
3: this is where what you said at the beginning of the show, Jeremy, about, you know, coddling and babying, you know, C.J. Stroud. Uh I just think it's a general Texans fan and media Thing that they're they're putting out there right now because everyone's like, Jalen Petrie didn't hit him because that's his teammate at Baylor.
2: Oh, really? I didn't see that. Oh, that's I heard they take. say Baylor oh, on Baylor cries and all that. And they're
3: like, oh, he just didn't hit him because he's a Baylor guy. like, no, on. man, he made a bad play. Who said that? Uh, it's all We're over at, That's going
2: to be on the list next week. Is that Andy? Chubby,
3: Chubby Bear. We'll start him there. Was it Andy? Chubby Bear. Or Brown. Is it Chubby Bear? Brown
2: Chubby Bear. Brown, <laughs> Brown Chubby Bear. I'm, <laughs> I'm friends with Brown Chubby Bear. I just called Chubby we Bear. We go way back. I've heard I, I on their podcast. Yeah, they, I, I they heard put Joel's Andy, photo instead of Jeremy's photo. That's right. That's right. I heard Andy mention
1: that they it was like Baylor on Baylor crime, that they both went to Baylor. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't hear anybody say that he was easing up or not hitting him because of that. I think yeah. you saw it on Twitter though. It's right? all, over Twitter. It's all yeah. over Twitter.
2: What's your um, also Todd the show asked a pretty good question. He said, "Did Derek Stingley Jr. not play yesterday?" He played the first two series. The he reason did. you didn't notice Derek Stingley Jr. is because he was not targeted. They didn't go after him. You know why? Because he can cover. He can defend. So the fact that Derek Stingley Jr. didn't get thrown out thrown at like whatever like Zappy was, is scared of him. Zappy's scared of Derek Stingley Jr. Stingley Island baby. Uh, Henry Toa Toa, like one well, he, of the minor notes. The guy's a ball player, man. He really is. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit there and anoint him the the
1: starter week one and all these great. The kid can play football, man, and and he has a nose for it, and he's he's all over the field. I was excited about having this kid on the roster and knowing for the future, no matter how they choose to use him and when he gets opportunities. I like that kid.
2: I have a hard time seeing him start because right. I mean he's playing behind Denzel Perryman, who I thought looked really good he yesterday really too. Good. He's pretty good at shedding blocks. And then you have Christian Harris, who's going to be your outside backer, but also the second linebacker in a nickel. And then yesterday it was Cashman getting some run. He actually started in the four three, but I think they view Toa Toa as a middle linebacker, and he's just not going to play against uh, ahead of Perryman. No, he's but got learning snaps.
1: to do too. But I really believe yeah. he's got a lot of potential. Oh, I
2: think I, he's he just he has know how. Like he's not the fastest guy, he's not the biggest guy, he's not the strongest guy, six-round draft pick, and look, maybe he's not athletic enough to play in the NFL. Maybe whenever he's going up against NFL ones every single week that he can't keep up but so far so good uh with Henry To'o, To'o. I like you said, that's why I said I think he's got
1: a nose for it. He, he just has a
2: nose for the game.
1: You can't put it on it with a forty time or a bench press or you know this or that. He just looks like he understands and knows how to play football.
2: Uh 7137803776. Joe's preoccupied. Joe okay. had Joe had running back hot takes in yesterday's know. game.
1: I just
3: thought that I like what the running back lo- room looks like. Agumowale, well done. Donnie. sorry buddy. <laughs> Like Mike Boone, I thought he looked really good. Like, we kind of talked about who's the third running back. I thought Boone looked really solid out there last night. So I was kind of excited about what we saw from the running back
2: room. The uh, D'Amico talked today to the media at 11. Uh, I was listening to that. He had a lot of good things to say about Mike Boone. So I think. I think Mike Boone's your, your third running back. Yeah, I think,
3: that, I think that was made pretty clear last night.
2: I, I thought Xavier and Valaday might have an outside chance to win that job in camp, but the way it's going right now, I would agree that Mike Boone's your third running back and that Valaday's probably a practice squad guy. And then
3: Singletary, it was, a, it was like a third and one, mm-hmm. and he gets the ball, and the offensive line completely imploded Uh,
2: that was supposed to be a pull to the right side they just overloaded the right side i didn't think it was necessarily poor blocking i thought it was just schemed up nicely by belichick like
3: he he did the juke to the left and got a really tough just two or three yards to get the first down that was an impressive play
2: he was not impressive in pass protection though no he He was was not abysmal that's why damian pierce is the starter yeah, Damian Pierce is good pass pro. What's what's what stinks about Singletary being bad in pass pro though is he's supposed to be your third down running That's back. That's a problem. Like it's supposed, yeah, you're supposed to do right. both things well. Uh, but that cut by Singletary is nice. It's nice to see that as your RB two instead of a Rex Burkhead. Yep. So that is a little bit of an improvement.
3: One thing I've realized through this hour is just it just reminds us of how much
1: of a low bar the Texans are.
3: So
2: low. So we've we've seen some things the last few years as football fans in this city. We've seen some things. But
1: I also think that. For the first time we can see that as low as the bar is currently set that there are better days on the horizon based on what we were able to see just in one preseason game that we did not see all the last two years but even in the preseason where you're like you're looking for these expectations on young players and things you're going' yeah, don't, not a lot there
2: It's a Friday on the killer bees so you never know what we're, we're gonna do uh, Let's go out to the HRP listener line. I have no idea where this is going to go but Keith, you're in the hive of the killer bees what's up Keith?
4: Hey guys, haven't called in in a while. Just wanted to uh, give you guys a shout out. I've moved you guys up to the killer beast, the number two in my show rankings on the station. Obviously, the bench is number one. Um, with the kind of the disbandment of the wheelhouse, you know, losing posts left and right, just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on maybe your guys' favorite memory of the two year <laughs> run of the wheelhouse, obviously. BK is done, and you guys are now up to the number two spot. And then second question, would you rather have Davis Mills or any of the Tampa Bay Bucs quarterbacks currently rostered? Thanks, guys.
2: Appreciate it, Keith. We're going to do a, uh, an homage to uh, Beaky a little bit later, favorite uh Favorite Beaky moment. I didn't have a favorite moment with Stude, so that that eliminates that. As far as the uh, the second, I just appreciate power Keith, rankings, Keith Kuyper
1: Jr. having us move up to the
2: second spot. Being number two in the Keith Power Rankings is fantastic. Yeah. I I do love that. Would I rather have Davis Mills than Kyle Trask? No, I'd rather have Kyle Trask. I would too. I'd rather. I was going to say,
1: yeah, I don't want Baker Mayfield anywhere near this no. roster. I would go. But Trask, I certainly would be in, intrigued by by
2: Trask. Trask Mills, and then Baker can go. Go do something else. Uh, 713-780-3776. Astros played the Orioles yesterday. Let's get to the two dusty decisions that everybody is talking about. And how do we feel about Hunter Brown overall so far this season? Killer bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.